Welcome to Trine Days, The Journey, conversations with publisher Chris Milligan. I am Bruce DeTorres. With us is Daniel Hopsicker, author, investigative reporter, and filmmaker, whose works include Barry and the Boys, the CIA, the mob, and America's secret history. Welcome to Terrorland, Muhammad Atta and the 9-11 cover-up in Florida, and the documentary Muhammad Atta and the Venice Flying Circus. Gentlemen, it's great to be with you both. Good to be with you. Howdy, Daniel. I tell you, thanks for coming on. You know, I've been thinking quite a bit about the last time we had you on and one thing that you reminded me of, there has been some change happen. I don't feel that uh, the secret societies and whatnot, they don't have the power quite that they had uh, mid-century, 1950s, 1960s, 70s, 80s, even on up a little, little more. And I think a lot of it has to do with some of the work that uh, people like you have done. And, you know, the internet has uh, made it so the secret societies aren't so secret anymore, you know. A any thoughts of what happened in uh, D.C. on the 6th? <laughs> well, you know, Trump was a continual surprise, wasn't he? I mean, he surprised me damn near with everything he did. I mean, I mean, who knew he was that bad? I mean, we knew bad, but who knew he was that bad? Um, it's a good thing Joe Biden has friends in Washington. All I can say. So what what are you doing these days? How's your book coming along? Well, slower than anticipated. You know, I had a big monkey wrench thrown into my plans right in the middle. The monkey wrench when Barry and the boys came right at the beginning when I stopped on my way to Louisiana to see um, Sally Denton and, and Roger Morris. And casually, Roger, Roger asked me um, if I'd heard anything about Barry flying a getaway plane out of Dallas, which immediately you know, meant I was going to spend another like eight months in Louisiana, because instead of like just dealing with the guy who was like a major drug trafficker between 79 and 80, 86, you know, yeah, I had to go back to the, to the 40s and, and find out way more about Barry Seal than this time the monkey wrench got thrown in in a, last March. Um, I got a call from a source I hadn't talked to in a year, a guy named Joey, a disgruntled investor in Sarasota. And he called me and I hadn't spoken to him in a year. And she got, he says, you got to go see Andy Badalato's house. Well, I mean, you know, a house is a house. I've been there. What, what, what's to see? He says, just go. And it was a beautiful day. And so I drove up to Casey Key to drive by the house. And it wasn't there. <laughs> it, it was a, uh, it's a $1.8 million property and house. And somebody bought, bought it from Badalato two years ago. And um, sometime in the last you know year, 18 months, raised the property. Beachfront property is, is half house, half beachfront, right? That's what you're paying for. So like it was a $900,000 you know, $900, house. So I had to go, well, who is that? Above that house. That's when things got way more complicated, okay? Because the guy that bought the house owns a compound. He owns like four properties on the beach and four on the other side of the street. I learned 20 years ago, okay? Guys that have their own compounds tend to be like intelligence affiliated. You know, the first guy I met with with his own compound was um, um, Pat Matriciana, who nobody remembers except you and me. Pat Matriciana was like, Mr. Clinton Chronicles did all that stuff in the 90s, and I met him one time, 
and you know he invited me out to the compound. <laughs> I never went. So this guy's got a camp compound. I walk across the street to the vacant lot, and there's a chain across it with a keep out sign. Attached to the keep out sign is like a phone number. So of course, of course, I didn't enter the property. <laughs> I didn't take any pictures. Um, but when I got home, I ran the number, and the number traces to a Polish businessman. And I, I'm reading stories about him, and he's got a girlfriend who's a Russian spy. She went to a economic con conference in the Crimea a year ago, and purportedly as a Polish representative to the conference, but she wasn't. And the Poles like disavowed her, and it was a big deal because everyone at the conference like went, we got a Russian spy here. This girlfriend of, of the guy whose phone number, you know, is on a chain in front of anybody Lotto's house, purports to be a princess in Poland. She's a former TV weather girl, all right? Journalists in Poland are shocked. She purports to be a peace ambassador and a Polish princess. She married a prince for like five minutes and then, and then divorced him. Um, so she's a, a, you know, a, a Polish princess and, and a Russian spy. But, but of course, Russiagate never happened. So I'm, I, I haven't been able to puzzle it out. So was this the house that uh, had the, the meth traffic and, and the, uh, the movies? Let me tell you, I sort of respect Steve Bannon. And if you read Fire and Fury, he had the most cogent explanation for what Russiagate was because he was directly involved. He was just irate when he was talking to, uh, what's his face, Michael Wolf. He's going like, this leads right to money laundering. This leads yeah. right, right to the Russians. This leads right, you know, right, right to me, right to me and Donald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Donald was a, a criminal that you know he didn't uh, think that uh, he was even going to win and uh, got in there had had no plan but he was easy for uh, the russians to use i mean what do you think that happened there in march of 2017 when all the uh, intel tools went out i mean do you think that just kind of happened uh, you know it happened on his watch right and, and then again, you had that big hack uh, that uh, they still don't know all about the big hack that, you know, was going on for six months. And then it's my contention that the whole thing on the sixth, you know, they just uh, had a bunch of useful idiots there to do that. But the main thing that happened was you had uh, military teams running inside the Capitol. We had a president who sponsored an attack on his own country. I mean, what the fuck? You know, nothing in the history of the world kind of comes close. So what's the, what's the largest cocaine, that ship in, in, I mean, how many tons was that in, in Philly? 20. 20 tons, is that, is that the largest ever? Second largest. You may, may remember the largest, it was up in a warehouse Outside LA, it was 23 tons. So I was, oh, this, is, this is close. And I know who did it. Well, I find it very interesting. You know, I mean, 
you, you've been tracking that ship. Now, where does it lead to? It, it leads you know, to how many different places? Dude, Barry Shield taught me everything I knew. I know, right? I finished Welcome to Terrorland, and the next thing of major consequence in my life that happened was the five, uh, a DC-9 with 5.5 tons of cocaine was busted in Mexico, you know, out of St. Petersburg, Florida. And the, the company that owned it used to uh, used to have an address at the Venice Airport. Surprise, surprise, surprise. The 5.5 tons of cocaine is connected with the four tons of cocaine that got busted the next year on a Gulfstream tip. I can't wait to get Craig Unger's new book, American Compromat, his last book, House of Bush, what was it called? I can't even remember the name. What was like a terrific, was terrific, okay? So um, there's a little excerpt I'm reading online today that says that Donald Trump got recruited by the Russians through Semyon Mogilevich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Semyon Mogilevich's son owned the plane busted with four tons of cocaine. 18 months after the DC-9. And so I've come to believe that you know, every story you ever read about this cartel's up, this cartel's down, you know, Sinaloa's kicking somebody else's somebody, somebody's ass. It's just all hooey. I mean, there's only one cartel. I mean, there's maybe factions. I, you know, I don't know the whole story, but I know that, that I can draw a direct line between Barry Seal trafficking in the early 80s and and the 20 tons that happened five minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. And when I look at it and, you know, and I think about what my daddy told me, you know, and he he, he says, you know, Vietnam War is about drugs. There's these secret societies behind it all. And, you know, and then he says, and, and communism's all a sham. It's all a big game. And when I look at the, the, uh, the Kennedy assassination and I see the low men on the totem pole are, are, are Johnson and Hoover. And because basically, you know, if you're up here and you're looking down, I mean, they're so blackmailable there in your pocket. These secret societies have been working with these people over here in Russia. And then another thing is in the drug trade, somebody gets hot, a house gets hot. What does a drug dealer do? He moves. Okay. So, you know, up from up here, they're just moving the, right. uh, the distribution into different pockets at different times. Now I get to tell you something else that's major that I've discovered in the last three months. And that is um, the drug, tra drug trafficking and financial fraud have been going on in Sarasota since the 70s. And you oh, before then, before then, you know, I mean, you had uh, uh, clients, I mean, you had the people from China right there. You had, you know, what's his name? The, the flyer, you know, he was there in the 30s. Jerry Hemming is back in our story. Yeah, Jerry told me, and, and I've always remembered this, because he, he, he was just a funny guy. Um, he, drugs are a movable feast, right? I mean, if it's hot and mean, I move it someplace else. Yeah. Which is, which is what you were saying. I had to laugh. Because he was in business with a major drug trafficker whose name I had never heard. And so three Bernstein. Months, Kenneth Bernstein. Yeah. You know, what kind he of- He a lot of planes. <laughs> kind of investigative reporter of mine, man. You know, yeah, it's a knockoff a book about about Barry Seal. Um, and come to find out, Kenneth Bernstein was bigger in 71 than Barry Seal was in 79. 
because Bernstein managed to successfully import 10 kilos of, um, of heroin. Seal brought back and got busted with 40 kilos of cocaine, okay? Bernstein was dealing in 40 kilo lots and getting busted for it, but still doing fine um, in five years, five years earlier than Barry Seal. And, and he joins a select fraternity of pi drug pilots and former drug pilots um, who, who met, happened to meet unfortunate ends by, by encountering the ground while flying a plane. I, I despair of being able to do this subject justice, okay? <laughs> it's bigger than I am, man, okay? It's bigger than I am, but I'm, 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 I'm soldiering along. You know, I mean, another interesting thing, I mean, if you read, uh, oh, what's his name? Ari ben Menashe, you know, Prophets of War, I mean, they had a huge, big, uh, you know, arms and, and uh, uh, drug trade going on. And, you know, and, and then he talks about, uh, you know, what Ollie North was doing is just a little pipsqueak thing as to what, as to what they were doing, you know. I've got this all figured out. <laughs> Good. We need to do two back-to-back -back books here. We need to do Gangster Planet and the big book of drug trafficking. I've got enough pictures for like, you know, a coffee table book. Doesn't have to be a coffee table book, but you know, with with uh, some six by nine pictures. It's a colorful, it's a colorful topic. The big book of drug trafficking. You know, I'd buy it. Do you have hope for the future? I, I have great hope for the future myself. Well, um, we may as well. We won't be around to see it, you know, so we may as well you know, assume everything's going to turn out all right. Um, and, and, but I do agree, okay? I, I do agree, but but with a with an asterisk, okay? Five, seven days ago, I was halfway through, like, writing whatever story is up, is up there right now. And I was tired, you know? It was, you know, a long 40-hour process. And, you know, in a weak moment, I, 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 I thought, I got the big picture, all right? We're, we're spinning on a... Pleasant planet, you know, around a sun, and we're hominids, right? And and some hominids have, have figured out that controlling the drug the drug trade makes you a lot of money. You, will that be different a thousand years from now than it is now? I mean, hopefully, this is the biggest slush fund the world has ever seen. Everybody does drugs, you know. Yeah, and and you know. Uh, yeah, we just, you know, decriminalized them all here in Oregon, you know, which is a, which is a, a, a good, you know, first step. And, you know, I mean, I'm not encouraging people to, uh, you know, to, to take drugs, but when they're illegal, uh, the control is in the shadows. And when they're, you know, decriminalized and, and legal, we have a, a much better world. They love to say all of Philadelphia newscasters, no, a couple of them. We've taken 20, you know, 20 tons of cocaine that's not going up somebody's nose. And, I, you know, of course, of course, you think 20 tons up one nose would be, well, would be it, quite a party. Is, is there any, um, I mean, there was no pictures of them burning it. You know, I mean, what happened to it? I mean, did they confiscate it? What did, what did they do with it? Have they ever said? Well, they say they, they incinerated it. But um, when I questioned um, somebody at the, uh, where was it? I forget. She was in a position to be offended 
by my asking if someone had witnessed <laughs> the 20 fins going up. No, I, I doubt if it was incinerated because it, 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 it got to the, to the point where uh, the boys stepped in. There's tons of tons about this and everything else I've ever like talked or written about that I don't know and probably never will. Okay. Well, here's what little I do. Okay. The Republican um, U.S. attorney in Philadelphia is a rabid Trump supporter, and he wouldn't solve this crime. You know, if you were holding a, a, a gun on his on his wife and kids, they they got for 20 tons of cocaine. Okay. I mean, it's just brazen. For 20 tons of cocaine, they've convicted a second mate now. They actually convicted somebody? He went to court? Uh, um, yeah, that's the highest. There's only been, there's like four people like that, that have pled guilty. And they're all, and, and here's the thing, all right? They're all from Kotor, Yugoslavia. And, and apparently, like, container ships are now like a very, a very popular way to ship merchandise. And in that town of Kotor, I mean, it, it's like, it's like Chicago in the 30s. There's, there's been this massive mob war between two factions in this little town, okay, in Coder, um, that have claimed 40, 50 lives in the last couple of years alone in Europe, all over Europe, okay? A couple of people getting mowed, mowed down in Athens, you know, up, in, up near Berlin. Everybody in Europe knows about, I mean, this is in the papers, in Europe, not here. So... How'd the 20 ton, how'd the cops find out about the 20 tons? You know, somebody bought them donuts and then like gave them a piece of paper saying, go look at this ship. So how, how did they find it? What What's the story? One faction ratted out the other. Ah, ah. What else could it be? Well, you know, cocaine is, you know, I mean, it's an interesting drug, but you generally find, you know, I mean, uh, cocaine unless they're just a, a real wastrel type person. Generally, people don't do cocaine for many, many years over, you know, steadily over and over and over. But, but young people continue to be born and, born and raised and turn 21, man. Right, and right. They're all doing what we were. Right, well, the, the, the point I'm making is, is, is heroin, you know, is a much more of a, a, a steady clientele. And, and therefore a long time. And, you know, I, I wanna go back to your, your initial video, um, you know, Heartbeat of America, and about how this business is hidden in plain sight. And, and, and it's so huge. I mean, it's just absolutely huge. How, how do you hide a $350 billion a year industry from a government that can read the make of your golf ball? from outer space. Yeah, yeah, yes. There's uh, we're, we're way past that now, okay? I was so earnest back there, back then. You know, 20 years ago, I, I still had enough energy to feel outraged. Now it's just sort of, it's easy to spot. <laughs> if you've been well, watching. I mean, can you imagine how many tons a day, tons a day of heroin and opium it takes are consumed on this planet yeah and and they control it okay and that's the other big discovery okay for me okay and, and that is that in every country i'm generalizing just a little in every country on this planet where there is a significant drug market locally yeah 
the, the people that control that market are the same people that control the country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember uh, that uh, I, I kept trying to find it, but uh, one time on, on CIA drugs, they came across some report, some guy from Turkey says, oh, um, a half a million dollars, no problem. That's one semi-load. And, and, and that was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Let me tell you one little Turkish anecdote. And this is, this is in the new book, Gangster Planet. Donald Trump didn't make up the deep state. Oh, no, that came from Turkey. That, that's a term from Turkey. Yeah. There you go. But where they got busted, okay, there, there's like a government, there's, there's a, a, a general, a drug trafficker, and, and the head of a party. On the road they got busted on, that's the road that Alexander the Great walked down on his way, on his way south. That's the highway that's been there for thousands of years. That is the deep state. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there used to be a, a bus one, the longest bus ride in the world went from London to Calcutta. Didn't every, every would-be hippie in the world want to do that? Yeah, used to read about it on the back page of uh, like the LA Free Press or something. Yeah. Well, well, now, now uh, let's uh, switch gears just a little bit. You did, you did uh, some seminal work on uh, electronic voting machines. I think that you know we still have uh, some people using those electronic uh, voting machines where the blips, uh, you know, they have them under control. And I just uh, what happened in Georgia was they used paper ballots instead of the blips. I had a great time investigating the elections because. I just, you know, no one else was doing what I thought was obvious, which is asking who owns these fucking companies, right? And one of them traces back to Howard Esping, who had ties to the NSA from the from its inception in the 60s. And that's the clean one. <laughs> you know, there's two companies dominating that they always, you know, they change their names like, you know, Eric's Prince changes, you know, Blackwater. But there's just two companies. And, and the clean one is, is owned by a guy, you know, that got to start with the NSA in Texas. And the dirty one, at the time I was investigating, right after, you know, after the uh, uh, 2000 election, the, the one that had all the hanging chad was owned by Ireland's richest multimillionaire, Dr. Michael Smurfett, who isn't Irish and isn't a doctor. <laughs> So, so when, when are we going to have, when, when's Gangster Planet going to be out, guy? When, when, how, how are you doing on it? When's it going to be out? Into March. Okay. And the presidential election that came in and went, you know, without anything major, I was happy because I knew I was going to be able to take a couple months and polish. I read an article in the Washington Post by a female sports writer who, who I believe is a dead sports writer, Dan Jenkins. Jenkins' daughter. This is in, a, in an article about the, the Redskins, or what used to be called the Redskins. Um, and she referenced something that happened down here, down here in Southwest Florida. And she talked about the tourmaline skies. <laughs> the tourmaline. And, and I looked it up, and son of a bitch, the word describes it perfectly. It's like um, Neapolitan sherbet, okay? You know, it's like green and orange and, you know, tourmaline. So by delivering it at the end of March, it gives me four or six weeks, you know, to like use words like tourmaline. <laughs>
I mean, you want to do the best job you can. I mean, I don't do, you know. Uh -uh. Okay. Okay. Any last words? Any last words here, Daniel? I did, but I forgot them. <laughs> the election. You asked me about that, right? Well, I mean, I had the perfect, I mean, I, 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 I knew stuff at that point. Nobody else did and didn't care. Okay. Um, and, and when Sean Hannity went and started, you know, ranting about like, you know, the dirty election, I mean, this is like with Sean, you know, you know, you want clean elections, that's great, but why start now? <laughs> you know, why start now? And nothing different happened this year than happened four years ago or four years before that. Before well, the big difference was they used paper ballots in Georgia. I know more and more states and municipalities are using verifiable paper ballots. You know, so um, there you go. I mean, you know, instead of 20% democracy, we probably got like we're up to 40, 45% now. Okay. But imagine, think about how long these guys got away with it. Okay. I mean, nobody ever stopped to think like if you owned a company that made the machines, like, you know, you might be big boss in town. <laughs> you know, there you go. I mean, voting and drugs. Because who controls the vote controls the drugs. Or, or, or so I'm told. Well, the people control them here in Oregon. That's good. Let's get it to happen more places. Well, you know, um, yeah, God bless o o Oregon. I mean, everything I hear about Oregon, I love not enough to move there because like, it's not warm enough. <laughs> it's, there's too much, too much rain. In every other way, God bless every ex-hippie that went up, up there when San Francisco was no longer the big, the big, the big scene. We have little pockets, little pockets, you know, you and me here, here in, in our United States. I mean, there are little pockets of people enough like you and I are, you know, to feel like, you know, there's some kind of democracy. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Bruce, you have a question. Daniel, what does Gangster Planet have a subtitle? If so, what is it? The two books I've written have both have like huge long subtitles that, that, that you know that they sat they just said they sound chunky. A gangster planet, two words, you're there, we're all there. It's, it's not a hard concept to understand, is it? No. Chris and I will probably sell a few thousand copies at least. <laughs> well, Daniel, it's been real. All right, my friend. Good to talk to you. You bet. Onward.